Um, man, you know what? This morning, it's, it has nothing to do with my message. I, I, I don't even know why. I feel like the need to even say this, but I'm going to say it. I uh, finished, you know, doing my normal morning routine. You know, we all have routines in the morning, right? We all have things we go through, we do, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I got through all my normal routine. Before the kids and the chaotic mess that happens in our house on a Sunday morning unfolded, I sat down for a minute, and actually my wife had already been up, and she turned on uh, Good Morning America. I don't know if anybody watched this this morning or not. And I'm watching it, and they said, you know what December the 11th is? It is... The, the, the largest, it is the day where the most breakups happen in relationships. Yeah, so listen, listen to me. I know, oh, what's it, one, two, three? Oh, some of you are like, I don't, that's not funny, Kevin. You know, that's not funny, Pastor Kevin. It is when you think of it this way, because I'm giving you a head start. If you're dating someone and they come to you, hey, listen, we need to talk, beat them to the punch today. Drop the bomb on them before they drop it on you, okay? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say because nobody wants to go shopping for Christmas. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever that means. I just thought that was funny, and I just felt the need to share it with some of you. All right, cool. Hey, you know what? I want to tell you something for a minute here. I want to tell you this. This has, again, nothing to do with the message, but you're awesome. I just want to tell you. No, think about yourself for a minute. You are awesome. I'm, Pastor Kevin is telling you personally, you're awesome. You know, I don't know what you've been through this week. I don't know the kind of struggles and turmoils and really you know what I haven't had a lot of people come to me with a lot of problems you know I've had enough of my own to go through you know but you know this week so I don't know what people are going through but I want to let you know and give you a little bit of a word of encouragement you're awesome you really are you're awesome individuals understand this you're a child of the most high the most mighty the most terrific the most powerful God and because of that You are fantastic. All right, so we're going to get right into the message. He will be called. Okay, this is our third part of this sermon series. Last week was great. We talked about God being who? He's a mighty God. The week before that, we talked about God being what? A wonderful counselor. So we're going to get right into the scripture here in just a moment in Isaiah 9, 6. We've kind of been, you know, camping out there for the last two weeks. So this is going to be the third one. And guess what? Next week, I got another one for you. All right, so four weeks. If you have not... known Isaiah 9 6 I promise you by the time this sermon series is over you will understand that scripture frontwards backwards upside down however you need to do it but it's you know it's a um it's a word given uh from God to Isaiah the prophet and a lot of times people go you know you know you read the scriptures and and you know God gives a word to somebody uh to share with um you know a, a, a certain group of people and maybe that word was just intended for them in that moment, all right? I, I want to say no to that. I believe that every word that is written in the word of God is intended for us in our moment now, as it has been in our past, and as it will be as we continue to move forward and live every day of our life. So when we look at the word of God, look at it as God's communicating to something, something to us for right now and for later on. You can't do anything about what's happened in the past, but what we can change is our now, and we can definitely change what? Our future, all right? So here we see a a word that was given 700 years before the birth of Christ, and the prophet Isaiah said this, for to us a child is born. I love it. To us a son is what? Given. So we have two actions right there, okay? Two things that something is happening. Something is taking place something is unfolding okay 
It goes on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God that Jesus is our rock. Thank God that Jesus is our foundation. Thank God that Jesus is the very one that we can lean upon and know that he's not going to be shaky. He's solid. All right. His words for real. It's solid. It's got stance. It's got substance. Okay. It's hard. It goes on to say it to, to, the, to us, the son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and he will be called. This is what's cool. These are attributes. They're not just names. But they're things that he actually does. What does he do? He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wow. He will be called what? The Mighty God. How great is our God, right? How majestic and how marvelous and how powerful is this awesome God that we serve. And then it goes on to say, and he is what? He's our everlasting Father. That's what we're going to get in today. And the last one, he is our Prince of Peace. Awesome. So he will be called Wonderful, which we spoke about the first week. He will be called Mighty, which we spoke about last week. And today, he will be called our Everlasting Father. You know, when we think of Jesus as our Everlasting Father, it should, uh, it should become personal for us. Um, Jesus being revealed to us as a Father. You know, uh, when, when I speak of Father, and, 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 and I... There's often times when I'm praying and I'm like, you know, start out my prayer, Father God, or, you know, whatever, however I started out. The word Father automatically resonates some memories in my mind instantly. Some things begin to pop up in my head, even about my earthly father. All right? Great memories usually. I hope so anyway, right? Great memories, things that, you know, that him and I have been able to accomplish together and do together. Uh, great memories of him, you know, uh, raising me up and and, and loving me and, and different things like that. But, you know, becoming a dad, I realize that there's a tremendous amount of pressure in being a father. Um, pressure in the sense of, you know, my boys are always looking at me. They're watching me. I've even seen some of my mannerisms rub off onto them, and I see their mannerisms, and especially Carter, you know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, this, i got to do something different here, you know. Right? Don't judge me, because you're there too, all right? But, you know, we're all far from perfect. Every one of us. We're all far from perfect. And, you know, when I say that it's not easy being a dad, I think I speak for all of us as fathers. It's not easy being a father. You know, you grow up and you look back on our father and the memories that we have, the good ones, and unfortunately sometimes there are some memories that, that aren't always the, the best, you know? Memories that... Maybe we were looking for uh, love from dad or we're looking for um, encouragement or we're looking for, you know, hey, great job, well done, you know, the pat on the back. And, you know, sometimes as, as dads, we can get so busy with life that we can kind of overlook those important moments when a child might need some affirmation. They might need that encouragement. They, may not, they, may, they might need that reciprocating love that they're showing to us and we need to in turn, show to them. It's not all about just doing. It's not all about just doing a work, but it's showing and encouraging and being an example. You're probably saying this is more of a Father's Day message than a, than a Christmas message, but trust me, we're going to get into some, some pretty good stuff. But um, you see, we look at Jesus as a father because the scripture tells us, but many times we look at Jesus through the lens of our earthly father. What I mean by that is 
oftentimes the only example that we truly know in the tangible and in a natural form in the state is our earthly dad, is our earthly father or that guardian or whoever was taking time to, to help raise you and, and to make you into the man and the woman that you are today or that you will be tomorrow. And so we automatically think, when we think of father, and even everlasting father, it doesn't quite resonate with it. We, we, don't, we can't quite understand the trueness of how amazing to have Jesus as our everlasting father truly is. Why? Because we compare fathers and, and we see what? In our own father, maybe some areas of opportunity, some areas that we wish were different, some areas that maybe we weren't, that, that weren't, you know, that doesn't make us proud in the moment. And we kind of rub them off onto understanding that Jesus is also our everlasting Father. Now, what we're going to do in the next few moments is we're going to take a look at some scripture. We're going to take a look at, at a couple of points of how Jesus is our Father and what scripture says how he is our Father. Understanding that for a few moments, any negative thought that you've ever had about your Father, kind of just try to wipe them away. Because oftentimes we'll let that roll over into Jesus as being our everlasting father. We want scripture. We want the very words of God to tell us how great this father truly is. We don't want our past experiences to dictate the everlasting father in Jesus Christ. But we want the scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit to show us how great this man is, how great Jesus Christ is, and how awesome it is for him to be our everlasting father. So point one that we're going to look at this morning is he is an everlasting father who is what? Compassionate. He is compassionate. Think about that for a second. He's compassionate. Um, the scripture in Psalms 103.8 says that the Lord is what? Compassionate. He's gracious. He's what? Dads, listen. He's slow to anger. Let me repeat that one again. He's slow to anger. And I love this one. He's abounding in love. What does that mean? That means his love is just so full. It's so much of it that it's running over off of him into us. The love of God is so powerful and is, it is so contagious. And he says the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. And he's abounding in love. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. One of the most liberating moments that we can ever experience in life, that we can ever experience in, in, in our lifetime, in the moments that we live, is to understand this. Nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nothing you can act on, Nothing that can come from your being can ever, ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing. His love is so full. You know, you could go a season without reading your Bible. Guess what? He still loves you. You could go through a season where it's hard to be in that time of prayer. But guess what? He still loves you. You could go through that season where, you know what, church becomes uh, an option rather than a necessity. Listen, he still loves you. Now, I'm not giving you an excuse to do all of that. 
By no means. We're still so what? Supposed to try to live our life right and do the things. But what I want you to understand is no matter what your actions have been, no matter how bad your attitude has been, no matter how horrible you may have treated other people, God's love is still abounding and it's huge and he offers it every single day for our lives. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's that say? God showed his love even while we were still sinners. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 5 says, but God demonstrates Excuse me. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God being rich in mercy because of great love with which he loved what? Us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been what? Saved. That's awesome. You know, I, I, I sit there and, and I, it's hard to compare God's love. It really is. It's hard to compare his love. Because see, we see love as reciprocating. What does that mean? That means if we're showing love to someone, what are we expecting? Love in return, right? That's what we want. We're showing love, we want love. That's how it works, all right? Now, I, I look at my boys, and I use them as an example for everything. I think that's why God gave them to me, you know? Kevin, you need sons so you can have great sermon illustrations. And I'm like, all right, awesome, sweet. So, I look at my boys and, you know, it, it, is, it amazes me because when I go to discipline them, and, and one, he doesn't even understand what discipline is, I don't think, the three-year-old. He's just like, he's a wild man now. And Carter is now definitely understanding discipline. And when I discipline him, what, what amazes me is I cannot be slow to anger in the moment. If anybody understands what I'm saying there. I cannot be slow to anger in the moment. The wrath of Dad comes out. Thank God the wrath of God doesn't always come out in us the way the wrath of dad comes out sometimes. You know, and, and so I discipline my kids. And, you know, it's like not even three minutes later, they're coming. Daddy, I love you. Either you're playing me or you're for real. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm leaning on the side. They're for real. And that's the closest that I can get in a tangible moment of what God's love is about. Because... It doesn't matter what I say or what I do in the moment. It doesn't matter how angered I can be at them or frustrated or let down or disappointed. Guess what? They still love daddy. And that's huge. Dad is huge. Um, Matthew 11, chapter 28, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29 says this. And this is a great word for us right now. You know, I don't, you know, before I get into it, I don't know where you might be in your life. I don't know what season you might be in and the struggles you might be going through, but you need to hear this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me in what? Wow, that he's gentle, that he's humble in heart, and then you will find rest in your soul. I asked this question last week. I said, who's tired? I don't want an answer outwardly, but I want you to think about it right now for you. Who in this room right now is tired? You're tired. You're spiritually tired. You're worn out. You're emotionally tired. You're relationally tired. You're just tired in life. 
What does Jesus tell us in that scripture? He says, look, just come. Come to me. I'm your dad. I'm your everlasting father. I'm slow to anger. I love you with an abounding love. What he's saying, he's saying, just come. That's all you got to do. You come to me. You'll be in a state of rest. You come to me. I will love you with an abounding love. You come to me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to direct you. Just come to me. You don't have to do anything else, but just what? Rest in his presence. Isn't that hard, though, for us to do sometimes? It's difficult because we don't want to rely on him at times. We say we do. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we've been let down by so many people in our life before. We've let things in our past that determine how God could be powerful in our now and in our future, or the lack of his power in our now or in the future. You know what oftentimes we do is we work and we work and we work and we work, and we're trying to work spiritually all the time to attain God's love. What does God say? He says, come to me. That's all you got to do. And rest. I'm going to take care of things. Just come to me. You know, one of the hardest things that I had to learn in my life was, and I shared a little bit about my story last week, but when I met my wife, Andrea, all I could think about was all my failures in the past and how I needed to correct everything and do things differently and do things better. That there was a season where I found myself getting caught up in doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and not just saying, whoa, wait a minute, there's love here. Rest in it. You see, sometimes we do that with God. And you don't even realize it. You get caught up in the work. You get caught up in the doing. You get caught up in, a, you know, I... I I've got to, you know, do this at this point. I've got to pray now. I've got to read then. I've got to go to church then. I've got blah, blah, blah. And not saying that they're wrong because all those are right. But you're going through the motion and forgetting about the relationship. And then there becomes a lack in your life. And you begin to wonder, well, God, where are you at when I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. And God's saying, you just need to come to me and rest. Sometimes you just need to come to me and say, God, here I am. And that's all your prayer is. Sometimes you don't have to read that five chapters of the word because that's part of your reading plan. Sometimes you just need to open it up and say, God, speak to me just with what I need right now. See, God is a relational God. He wants there to be a relationship with you. He doesn't want to be a formality. He doesn't want it necessary to always have to be structure. He wants it to be real. God also not only is compassionate with us, but our everlasting father is a father who what? Number two, he cares. He cares. He actually cares about you. There's a scripture that I'm, I'm going to read. I want us to internalize this for a minute. It's a very popular one, and we're all very familiar with it. It comes from Jeremiah 29 and 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. In the future. Now, this is a scripture that can be argued in many different ways. And some people believe that that scripture was only intended in that time because it was given to the prophet Jeremiah from God. And he was to communicate that to the exiled people of Israel who were in Babylon. And a lot of times people will say, well, that scripture really doesn't have a lot of uh, bearing on our life today. Well, I kind of want to say that's wrong. Because what we need to understand is that 
when Jesus Christ was at that last supper, that Passover, the word tells us that he took that cup the night before his crucifixion. And that cup represented his blood. It represented what? The new covenant. And when he shed his blood, every single promise that was ever given in the Old Testament becomes a reality to us as a new covenant people. And so every single promise that we can read through these scriptures, through this word, that was God was given, it is supposed to be a reality in our life. Watch this. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 that proves this. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes, in Christ. I'm going to stop right there. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That means every promise that has been spoken in the word of God is intended for your life right now and in your future. Every single promise. So when he says, I have a plan for your life, guess what? He's got a plan for your life. If it's to give you a hope, that means yes, today. He's wanting to give you hope. I don't know how many of you in here who may have lost hope. Maybe you've lost hope in a relationship. You've lost hope in your job. You've lost hope with God. You've lost, you, you're just feeling lost. God is saying, I got a plan. I got a plan. Don't worry. Rest in me. I've got, my love is abounding. I've got this. I'm going to take care of this. Why? Because you're going to prosper. I've got a future for you. Some people say, well, we can't preach a prosperity gospel. I, I don't preach a prosperity gospel. I preach God. I speak about the promises that are in the scripture. If you want to argue that, then you've got to take that to God. But I believe that God wants me to prosper. I believe that God wants the best for our life. I really do. I believe that God wants you to see your life victorious. Now, does that mean that we go through hardships and struggles to get there? Absolutely. Just like when I have to discipline my kids, sometimes God's got to do what? Discipline us. First, uh, First Peter chapter 5 and 6, this is how much he cares for us. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Listen to that. That's the key part right there. So what? He's casting his anxieties where? On him. Give me it. Give me your anxieties. Give me your worries. Give me your problems. I need it. I want it. I want it off of your life. Because he what? Cares for you. Then Psalms 86.15 says this. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Wow. He's an everlasting God who cares. Think about who, who is it you care most for in your life? Let, let's, let's make this kind of real for a moment. Who, who do you care the most for in your life? Think about that. Is it your spouse? Your children? Your parents? Maybe it's a best friend? Who do you care for the most in your life? Now think about how much you care that you have and how much more abounding God's care and love is for us. We do it in our earthly manner. We do it in the natural. He does it in the supernatural. He does it in the majestic. He does it in the, the huge, just massive amounts of love and care for us. And then the third one is this. 
He's an everlasting father who was always there. In Hebrews 13, we understand there's a scripture there that says that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Never. He's always. You know, never is, that's the definition. Never is never. You can't get away from that. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. His love is always abounding. He always cares for us. He's constantly compassionate. Why? Because we're his children. You know, I, I said this story last year, around right after Christmas, the first part of the year. But I'm going to kind of say it again this morning. Last year we bought Carter. Santa Claus got Carter. <laughs> a gas-powered four-wheeler. He's five. And uh, I was really nervous about it. But it had this uh, remote cutoff. You know, if he's going too fast, bam, hit it. Shuts the motor off. Doesn't stop the brakes, though. I found that out. All right, just shuts the motor off. He's still drifting, you know. And uh, you, you got this little, you know, you can adjust the throttle for the speed of it. And um, it was Christmas. My neighbors were out across the street. And, and, and they had their little girl out there in, in her power wheels. And Carter had his gas-powered four-wheeler, and he had his helmet. He was so excited, you know. And, and a couple times throughout the morning and throughout the afternoon, we were going in and out, taking breaks, because, you know, Dad can only take so much. I'm scared to death, you know. My heart's pounding every time he got on the thing. And uh, so we get out there, and uh, this was like later in the, in, in the evening, and he's, got, he's getting brave now. I mean, he's, he's, he's wanting me to speed it up. And I'm thinking, yeah, man, you got this. You know, I'm, I'm making it faster and fast. You know, it's, it's getting scary now. And all of a sudden, he realized something, and I did too, that he can't sh quickly turn that four-wheeler without it tipping over. And uh, so we're in the front yard. Nobody else is outside. And, and he's coming across the driveway, and he's cutting into the grass. And he cuts it as hard as he could. And when he did... He threw it over on two wheels, fell over. It's on, you know, rolls on top of him, rolls over. My neighbor goes, oh, my, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, this is bad, you know. And I walk, he's crying, his tears, and he comes and he hugs me. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, oh, you know. You know, and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking, does anybody else see this? Did my mama pop up or Andrea see this? Because I'm a dead man, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, okay, you all right now? You know, and, and, you know, but he knew I cared in that moment. He knew I cared. Sometimes it doesn't matter how busted up you are in life. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter how many skin knees or skin elbows you've had in life. It doesn't matter how many hurt feelings you've had or how many feelings you've hurt. It doesn't matter the crude words that have come from your mouth or the crude words that have come at you from someone else's mouth. It doesn't matter if the horrible actions you've given to someone or the actions of, that was of horribleness that someone gave to you. God still cares. And he still loves you. You know, Caden, um, the, other, the other son, the other little guy, he's got this thing that he knows when me and Andrew are going to leave him and go out, and he gets kind of nervous and scared about it. And uh, it's got to the point now, if someone comes over to the house, instantly he's grabbing our legs or, you know, you're not leaving? You're not leaving? You know, 
he's, he's just right there because he's fearful because before, what, we, you know, get a babysitter, come over, and then we leave and go do something, or my mom would come over. And, and he's called on to that. You know, why is he like that? Because he loves and he knows that we, what, care for him and that we will, what, take care of him. The difference between us and God is God's not going to leave. He's not going to leave. He'll never turn his back on you. He'll never forget about you. He'll never throw you aside and say you're a lost cause. He'll never have ill words toward you. He loves you. You're his children. He loves you with a love that is abounding. You know, Isaiah 43 and verses 1 through 3, 1 through 3 says this. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by your name. You are mine. Who are you? You are his, right? He says, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Wow. When we're going through life and, and things are difficult and, and we don't know sometimes whether we're coming or going, we can understand that he is with us. His love is there. He's leading us. He's carrying us. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to what? Separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to say that last part. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. See, I want you to stand with me this morning. There's a couple things I want you to understand. One is this. God tells me that he's in control of everything. I can not fear in life because I know that God's got all things in control. I can understand that even in my weirdest confusion, God is not the author of what? Confusion. And that God has all things in control. I can understand that as I live this life, and there's times where we feel by ourselves that we feel that we're alone. God tells me I'm not alone. Why? Because he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He's going to be there. God tells us that he's always there to, to help us. God can only help them when we ask, right? We have to ask. We have to go before him. God tells us that he has called us for his purpose. Understand that. His purpose. His plan. His will for your life. His desire for you. God tells me that nothing in this world is better than knowing him. I know you love your spouse, but knowing him is even better. I know you love your kids, but knowing him is even better. Nothing is better than the knowledge 
and the knowing of Jesus Christ. God tells us that what? He gave his only begotten son for whose sin? My sin. For your sin. God tells us that he has a, what? Jeremiah 29, 11, a great plan for your life. Maybe you're young and you're still searching out. God, what is it you want from me? Well, let me tell you, he's got a plan. He's got a plan for you. He's got that spouse that you've been praying for, that you've been asking God for. It's there. They're there. You don't give up in the prayer. He's got a plan for your life. He tells us that he is changing me to be more like him. Think about that. Our prayer should be every day, God, change me. Change me, God, so that I can be more like you. You're my father. You're my mentor. You are who I need to look up to. God, change me so I can be more like you. Remember, we talked about sometimes that starts where first? Inward, before it comes on the outward. God, tell me, not, God tells us that nothing can separate us from his love. Some of you really needed to hear that today. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. His love is always there. You know, we're reminded of the story of the prodigal who kind of didn't love his father anymore and moved on and was self-centered, selfish, went on his own way. And then when he, times got tough, he realized he had to go back to dad and dad's love never, never went away. Dad's love was still there, strong as it was before he had left, maybe even stronger. Our heavenly father is there even when we're doing wrong, even when we think we're the furthest from him, we know that we can always run back to the everlasting father. Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the prince of peace. You see, God tells me that I have hope. I have hope for my future. I have hope because my hope is in who? The Lord. God tells me that he is what? He is good. But I want to take it further. He is great. He's amazing. Watch this. He's awesome. God is awesome. He is. I don't know how you picture God as your everlasting father or Jesus as your everlasting father, but it needs to change from this moment on. It needs to be, he is awesome. He's without fault. He loves me regardless. He goes on to say that, and God tells me that life is short, but I'll live forever where? With him. If we're a Christ follower, we can live forever with this everlasting father. So our challenge today is if you're not a Christ follower and you want to be, I'm gonna give you that opportunity this morning to say, you know what, I need Jesus Christ. Or if you wanna rededicate, you know what, I wanna rededicate to Jesus Christ today. Pastor Kevin, maybe you know this message that I brought forth has opened your eyes a little bit to understanding how awesome it is to have him as an everlasting father. Not just a supernatural God, and not just the savior, but also the everlasting father. He's there to love us, to show compassion, to care, and to always be there.
Or maybe this morning you might be like, well, Pastor Kevin, I'm a follower of Christ and I understand all of this. You know, last week I, I shared a little bit of my testimony, a little bit of my story with you. And I said, you know, that morning when I was up front with that pastor and he stretched out his arms and I walked to him and he just embraced me. I didn't feel that man's embrace. I felt the embrace of the almighty God. Some of you today, you might say, Pastor, I need that embrace right now. I'm a follower, but things are going hard. Things are rough. There's situations, there's problems, there's a struggle. I really need the embrace of my everlasting father. I need to hear him say, I love you. I need to hear him say, good job. I need to hear him say, I'm proud of you. And that's what he wants to do today. So my challenge to you this morning, out of all that that I've said, if any of that is you, I'm asking you not, not to be embarrassing, not to call you out. Just say, you know what, come up here. I want to pray with you. I want that everlasting father to do what? I want him to wrap his arms around you right now and just hold you. So if that's you this morning, I'm asking you, step out from where you're at. Come to this altar. Let's spend time together in prayer. And let's seek after this awesome, everlasting God. Amen.